Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Week five, forever, okay? Last week of forever, um, and then we're going to jump at some different things um, this summer. And um, I want to read the verse to you. It's 1 Corinthians uh, 9. It says this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Anybody ever played athletics, like growing up, sports guy? Okay. Did anybody ever, like, throw a celebration or a party when you lost? No. No, that's doesn't make sense. You're, you're playing to what? You're playing to win. Verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do this to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step, not just shadow boxing. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and reveal Jesus in this word. Nobody cares about what I have to say, but everybody cares about what you have to say, Lord. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal the heart of the Lord and that you would lead us into victory, new levels of victory, new places with you, Jesus. We submit to you, we surrender to you to hear your word, to receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Give it up for the worship team, everybody. Come on. Oh, you need me again? You need me to sing again? Okay. All right. Um, so I've been talking about golf. Um, golfers, raise your hands. Any? Got a couple? All right. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, it's like my new thing over the last couple years. Um, I've been playing less and less basketball the older I get, but golf has kind of uh, taken over. And um, something I've realized about my golf game is this, is that I will consistently, pretty much no matter what, I'm going to shoot 40 to 45. That's going to be my score on, on nine. Okay, like just, like, just, it's almost like mind-numbing sometimes. Like, it just never fails. It's always like 40 to 45. Now, on most days, like like last night, um, I left here late. There was enough dusk light to play. I ran out to the course, played last night, and uh, played the course, I think, in like 54 minutes. And the starter, older gentleman, said, hey, how'd you play? I said, I shot a 41. He goes, all right, great night. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yes. But in my mind, I'm like, par is 36. So I'm like, yes, it's a great night. But no, like, I, I haven't hit par, okay? And so a couple weeks ago, we started the golf league here at the church, and, and we played our first night. And the first night we get out there, I shoot a 42, okay? Again, this is, this is what I do. Like, it just never seems to fail. Like, this is what I do on a golf course. And so I shoot a 42, and, and by the end of the night, I wanted to take these clubs and break windows and cars, and, and I wanted to destroy homes and, and destroy anything I could possibly see, okay? So I, I'm, I'm in... I, I, afterwards, I, I'm starving now, and so I go over to Chipotle. Anybody eating their car a lot? I'm a, I'm a car eater. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious, okay? Like, it's just me, right now, I'm in a season with the show The Office. Any Office fans in the house, okay? It's just me and Michael Scott and all the awkwardness in the car. And I'll be honest, I don't like awkward a whole lot, so sometimes I'm in the car by myself, and I literally have to look down because I can't stand the awkwardness on my little screen, okay? And so, so I, I get Chipotle, I'm in the car, I'm watching The Office, and I'm like just so angry. I mean like 
like crazy angry, like Jess calls me like, hey, when are you gonna be home? And I'm like super short with her on the phone. And she texts me, she's like, what's wrong? What happened today? I'm like, ah, how do I explain this? Like, I'm so angry. And I thought, and I'm sitting there in the car like, why am I so angry? And I'll tell you why I'm so angry. Because at any other point, I don't care if I score a 40 to 45 when I'm just kind of hanging out with the dudes or playing by myself. But this time, I'm doing what? I'm playing with other people, and I want to what? To win. I want to win. Right? It's funny. Uh, We were cleaning out the garage a couple weeks ago. Um, There was this box. Anybody have, like, box of relics, just stuff? You know what I mean? Like, just old stuff that you're like, why do we keep these things, okay? But for some reason, Jess will not let me throw it away, okay? <laughs> I'm the throwawayer, okay? All right? I want to throw everything away or give everything away. I'm like, here, here you go. And Jess will just hold on to everything until eternity, like she's going to take it to heaven with her, okay? <laughs> and so there's this box, and it has all this stuff. And, and in this box is this, this huge trophy, Okay, uh, that was from I believe Michael's fourth grade year. Okay, huge trophy. Okay, and um, it's just in this box. And I thought to myself, like, why is this trophy in this box? And I'm like, oh, I know why this trophy is in this box. It's because we came in second. Now we had a great year, right? I mean, it was it was super awesome year. Like, I promise you, the team that I coached that year, we should not have been as good as we were. Um, I think Michael averaged that year. I think he averaged like 25 points a game. Like, it was, a, it was a great year. It was a fun year. But guess what? We came in what? We came in second. Now, if we would have been in first, I bet anything Michael would have that trophy in his room. Right? He would have had it in his room. But we came in second, so it's in a relic box in the garage. Right? That nobody remembers. You know, I coached Luke this year. He played upward. Okay? And uh, he was playing in a, are we second grade, right? right? I'm looking at Jeanette. Tell me what, my, what grade my kid's in right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Second, second grade. Second grade. Okay. Second grade. And um, <laughs> I know, I'm a bad dad. Um, or I'm just a dad. <laughs> kind of get an amen from all the dads. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's my Tim Allen right there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a roll today. All right, so I'm coaching second grade with Matt Prince, which Matt Prince is the greatest uh, assistant coach ever in the history of athletics, okay? And so we're coaching second grade. And, um, and one of the things about Upward is they don't keep score, okay? And so we, like, tell the kids, like, you know, like, I'm saying all the right things out of my mouth, but at practice, I'm coaching them to destroy and to win, right? I'm like, you know, like, we're all out here to learn and have fun, and you know? And uh, so we had our first, uh, our, our first game, and I think our first game, we won by like 40 points, okay? <laughs> and one of our little, little, little boys, uh, one of our non-athletic little boys, but is very, very smart, had kept score in his head the whole entire game. So, like, we're, like, like shaking hands with the other team, and they think somehow that they have won, and this little boy's going, no, we won, we won, we, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, that's right, we won. We, we are the winners, you know what I mean? Why? 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 Why do we feel this way? Because it's fundamental, right? You play to win. You compete to win. There, there's no point in coming in second. And, and listen, I understand we can learn lessons, and you know we're a part of a team, and all these you know crazy thoughts. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, uh, listen, I play to win. Like, win. Ask Mackenzie Perry, he understands us. We played in a, in a league, a little city league. Nobody cares about these games. There's nobody even there. But you would have thought that I was in the NBA Finals, okay? I play to win. That's what Paul's talking about. 
He said, we're playing to win, but the question is, what game are you playing? Are you playing the forever game? Or are you playing the here and now game? Because Paul says there's earthly prizes, you know? I mean, there's trophies and cars and trips and new homes and there's a bunch of earthly things. And, and I don't know if you've recognized this yet, but they all, they all fade. All fades. You know, we, we built a house like a year and a half ago, and the other day I was walking through the house, and I'm like, man, how, how is this chipped, and how is this scratched, and, you know, how is this faded? And it's just, it's just life. These things, they don't last. They fade away. You know, like, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Does anybody know who won the 1972 NBA championship? Any takers? Nope. Yeah, you're just naming the, the best team that you can think right now. It was the Lakers, okay? With, with Wilt and with Jerry West. But, but here's, what, here's my point. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, nobody cares. Nobody remembers this. Nobody remembers that Jerry West was the MVP of that series. Like, nobody. Nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. Why? Because these things, over time, they just fade away. It really does not matter. So you really have to ask yourself, what game am I playing? But here's the reality. I'm going to be really honest with you, okay? The idea of forever and forever rewards and eternal rewards means about zero to you if you're not excited about Jesus here and now. Right? Like, why would you ever be excited? So Paul, Paul is talking about what? Eternity. He's talking about forever. Right? And, we, and I'm trying to stress in this series how quick this life is. I mean, even if you get 80 years, okay, it is, it is, a, it is a midst, it's a blur, it's just, it's here and it's gone. And Paul is talking about eternal rewards. Now, we will care about that if we are excited about Jesus here and now. But if you're not excited about Jesus here and now in your daily life, then why would you ever be excited to see him in forever? Why? Like, if you're not excited about talking to God now, why would you want to talk to God then? You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's funny, because I'll, I'll announce a, a worship night in the place that we packed. I'll announce a prayer night, it's crickets. <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, if we're not excited to talk to God now, or like, like, if we're not excited about the word of God now, like his written word, his love letter that he wrote to us, his guide, his map, whatever you want to call it, if we don't enjoy it now, why would we enjoy it then? So, so if I'm not excited about Jesus now here, then it's really, really hard to live with this idea that I'm not living for now, but I'm living for then. Because if you're not excited about Jesus now, then the only thing you can live for is here and now. Right? And, and here, let me be really clear with you. I'm not trying to throw shade at you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. If anything, I would encourage you to try to figure out why are you not excited? Like, why are you here at church on a Sunday morning on Memorial Day weekend? Let's just be honest. Like, you're here at church on Memorial Day weekend. And if you're not excited about Jesus, then you need to ask yourself real questions. Why? Like, what is going on in my soul that I'm not excited about Jesus and that I'm not excited about forever? Because if, if I'm excited about Jesus, I'm excited to be with him forever. And, and so we're gonna look at what Paul talks about are the prizes. Okay, what are the prizes? 
Okay, what, what are these rewards? Okay, anybody ever go to Chuck E. Cheese? Okay, yeah, okay. How do you remember the, like, the prizes, the rewards? Okay, remember all the dumb, like, like, it's like a slinky, like a mini slinky or a ball or, you know, a set of jacks that parents are just gonna step on later, you know what I mean? Like, there was all these, like, dinky, dumb little prizes, and then there was, like, the top shelf prizes, right? It'd be, like, a slip and slide, but it'd be, like, 400,000 tickets. You're like, who could ever get 400,000 tickets at Chuck E. Cheese for this thing? That's actually $20, okay, if we went to, you know, wherever. What are the prizes, okay? So I want to talk about, I want to talk about two prizes today, okay? The first one is this. It's just grace, grace, and the second one is blessings and forever, okay? We're going to look at these two. Okay, so Matthew chapter 18, okay, uh, verse 23. Therefore, there, this is a King James, so I'm gonna do my best, okay? Therefore, there was a kingdom, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts. And when, uh, and when one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, okay? 10,000 talents. Now, I know that we can't always do the conversion, so I'm gonna do it for you. That would equate to this, $10 billion, okay? So this is a situation that this king is calling for the accounts of who owes him money, and there's one of the servants that owes him $10 billion. Could you imagine being $10 billion in debt? That is a astronomical number. That is a place that you would feel utterly helpless and a place that you could never, ever repay that debt. Right? Amen? Okay. But he wasn't able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children to pay back this debt. Verse 26. The servant fell to the ground before him saying, Master, have patience with me. I'll pay it all back to you. The master, full of compassion, says this, released him and forgave him of the debt. It's a good king, right? It's ringing a bell for anybody, okay? Right? And we'll get to that. Verse 28. Afterwards, the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, what, what's the equation on this? This would have been like $10,000, okay? Remember, he just was forgiven of $10 billion. Now, he's going and he's finding somebody that owes him $10,000. And it says this, he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, and said, pay me what you owe me. The servant fell to the feet and begged and said the same thing. What did he say? Have patience with me. Please have patience with me. I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't, and he threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, his fellow servants all saw this, right? They all see this. They all report back to the master and let him know, hey, listen, we want you to know what's going on. You forgave him of $10 billion, and he's not going to forgive this guy of $10,000. The master, verse 32, the master said this. After he brought him in, he said, you wicked servant. Wicked. These are harsh words. You wicked servant. I forgave you of this debt because you begged. I had compassion on you. I gave you pity, and the master was angry, okay? So what is this? This is a picture of what? The grace of God, right? We are the ones that owe the $10 billion debt, right? Why? Because we have lives that are full of unforgiveness and pride and gossip and anger and selfishness and self-motivated thoughts, right? That's our lives. Like, let's just boil it down. I don't think any of us are perfect in here. Can I get an amen? Okay, like, and, and I'm not being mean. We're not perfect, okay? And, we're, and if we were perfect, the Lord would just zap us. You know what I mean? Be like, Pish! we'd be gone. We'd be with him. So none of us are perfect, Right? We all have junk, okay? But here's the deal. God is holy. 
Do you know that? God is holy. God is pure. God is righteous. God is true. God is love. He is full of grace, right? And because Jesus, right, came, died on the cross, sacrificed, he was able to do what? Give us mercy, right? He sits on the mercy seat. So when you are called upon to give an account for all of your wrong, the $10 billion that you owe, Jesus on the mercy seat because of the blood of Jesus that was shed, okay? He pays for your sin, okay? And he releases you of this debt that you owe, that you could never repay, right? It's a beautiful picture, right? It's compassion, it's grace, it's mercy, so Jesus takes his holiness, his pureness, his righteousness, his true, his love, his grace, and he puts it upon you and makes you that. Come on, isn't this good? It's so good. Now, here's the deal. Once we understand this, like truly get this, truly get it into our souls, into the DNA and the fabric of who we are, okay? It means this, okay? How could I not forgive others then? How? If, if I've found this kind of grace that I don't deserve, how then could I ever, ever not forgive and love other people? Okay? If I really, really understand this, understand that I don't deserve this kind of grace, there's no way that I can't give this, okay? So I'll give you an example. This is a core value in the Workmeister home. I'm gonna share a core value that we have in our family. One of the core values is this, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget, okay? Not just forgive and then we'll hang it over your head forever, we'll forgive and we'll forget. So like when Michael was 15, he made some mistakes, right? And he still makes mistakes today, okay? But what I'm saying is he made some kind of big mistakes when he was 15. Like what? All 15-year-olds do. Come on, amen, right? You did too, okay? Right? So what did we do? We sat down, we talked these mistakes through, and then we did what? We extended grace, right? We forgave him. And then as soon as we forgave him, we then told him what? We're gonna forget this. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus does for you. You sin, you make mistakes, you fail. The moment you come to the Father and you go, Lord, I am so sorry, I repent of this. I, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I had that emotion. I can't believe I had that hate. I can't believe that I treated that person that way. I can't believe I was that selfish, Lord. I'm so sorry. The moment you do that, what happens? Grace abounds to you. And then what does the Lord do? He says he throws it as far as, as the east is to the west. He doesn't, for, he doesn't remember it anymore. He sees you as what? Holy, pure, righteous. But here's what's interesting. I'm just gonna call this out. Because in the church, we don't forgive and forget. Like, we're some of the most offendable people in the world. Right? And here's what's super sad sometimes, and I'm not even talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. Sometimes the church is so sad because we all know how to say the right things with our words, but our actions speak something else. Right? Like we're really good at saying, oh, yeah, I forgive that person. But in your heart, in the depth of your soul, you are holding on to that moment. You haven't forgotten about that moment. 
You, you may have said the words, I forgive, but you haven't forgot, you haven't released, right? So what did we see with the master? He forgave him, and then he did what? He released him. He let him go. So it's funny how we'll forgive, but we won't let go. So let me, let me show you this. Let me show you what it looks like when you don't forgive. Because here, I'm gonna tell you what the prize is. The prize in this moment, the prize that we're talking about, receiving the prize, okay? Not an earthly prize, okay? I'm talking about something that will change your life, change your forever, change your everything is this. The prize is when you understand and receive grace. That's a prize. When you understand it, now, when you don't understand it and you hold on to unforgiveness, this could be unforgiveness to your spouse, this could be unforgiveness to a family member, somebody in church, a friend, I mean, it could be a lot of different ways. Let me show you what happens. Verse 28, the servant went out and found the fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. What was that, $10,000? It says he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. So what do we see right there? We see anger. People that don't forgive, they're angry people. Right? People that don't forgive, they become angry people. He says this, pay me what you owe me. What do we see there? Pride. People that don't forget are prideful people. Right? Why? Because they think they're always right. And nobody can tell them anything else. Taking the high road is not even an option. I'm right, they're wrong, and I'm gonna show you that you're wrong. Right? So we have so we got anger, we got pride. So his fellow servants fell to the ground, begged him, have patience with me, I'll pay you. And it says that he wouldn't. He wouldn't release them, so what do we see next? We see hate, right? So we have anger, we got pride, we have hate, and then he threw him into prison until he could pay all his debt, so we see what? Spiteful and bitter. So what happens when you don't release forgiveness, when you don't let people go? Number one, you don't receive the prize of grace for yourself. Yeah. Let me be abundantly clear. What Jesus Christ, not anybody else, Jesus Christ said, if you don't forgive your brother and sister, how can your heavenly father forgive you? Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I want grace in my life. I want the father to forgive me. So that means what? I'm gonna have to forgive others. So I'm not gonna receive that. But when we don't, we get to become people that are full of anger, pride, hate, spite, and bitterness. And I don't know about you, but that's not a prize that I want to receive. I want to receive the prize. I want to run this race, right? As followers of Jesus, that's what we're here for. We're followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, the prize should be what? I want to know the grace of God so that I can give the grace of God. That's a good word, amen? Come on, somebody. All right, point number two. The second reward is this. It's our forever rewards. There's gonna be rewards on the other side. I said this a couple weeks ago. Imagine this. Imagine that what you did for 24 hours determined where you were gonna live, the car you were gonna have, the job you would have, the income you were gonna have for the next thousand years. Would that 24 hours matter? It would really matter. Now, it's the same thing. Some of us get 40 years. Some of us get 70 years, 80 years. Some get, some get 20 years. I don't know why or how, but we get a short amount of time on earth. And the short amount of time on earth will determine everything in eternity forever. So let me show you this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be illustrated with the story of a man that went on a long trip. He's a man, it's God the Father. He called together his servants. Who's the servants? It's us. 
were his servants, called them together. And he trusted them with money while he's gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag to the last. Dividing it in portions to their ability. Okay? And he left on a trip. The servant who received five bags began to invest the money and earn five more. Let me read verse 16 again. The servant who received five bags. Okay, now we can translate this because the word translates this differently in different translations. We could translate this to money. We could translate this to talents and abilities. These are things that God has given specially to you as an individual. He's given you grace to do a certain job. He's, he's given you a talent. He's given you an ability, right? I mean, like, like uh, I'll, use, I'll use our worship team. You know, we got JT and we got Ray and we got Will, and right? God's given them these talents and these abilities. Now, they could simply say, well, I'm just gonna use it for my own glory, my own time and, and, and my own, what I wanna do. But what do they do? They come and they lay it down to the Lord and they invest, right? They invest in this house. So it says this, that he invests. So what do I know about investment? Anytime you invest time, anytime you invest ability, anytime you invest money, what happens? There's a return on the investment. Right? I mean, we all get this. You go to work. Like, if you were not going to get a paycheck, would you go to work on Tuesday? <laughs> no. If you're crazy, you would. Right? If you're just like, oh, I just love, love working for free. <laughs> That's crazy! Nobody thinks that. You all think I should get a raise. Can I get an amen from anybody? <laughs> I want a raise on Tuesday, right? We all get this. See, here's what I love about God. God will use natural things to teach us supernatural things, right? So he goes, hey, I want you to see this. You invest your time, you work, and then you get what? You get paid. Or like the investment of seed time and harvest. Like you plant a seed, right? There's time, it waters, right? And then what? There's a harvest. So God will use natural things. So he says, listen, this guy invest. He invested. And there was a return. So what happens when you invest in God's house? And, and I want to be real clear about this, okay? I do not subscribe to this idea of investing in God in other ways outside of his house. He said, invest in my house. I'll show it to you biblically all through the word of God. If you want to challenge me, I'll sit down and we'll go through the word and I will show you biblically what God's commands are. He said, invest. Invest in my house. Why does he say invest in his house? It's because this, when we invest our time, our ability, and our finances, all of these things, not one of these things, all of these things, what happens? People come to the saving knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. There are some of you in this room here that you are here because somebody invested. So he invests, okay? Verse 17, the servant two bags also went to work. It says this, went to work. To what? Earn two more, okay? He got to work. Why does it say work? Because in the family of God, there's work. There's work. Like, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out somebody right now. There's a guy, you can't even see his head, okay? His name's Damien back there, okay? He's behind the south booth, okay? None of you think about Damien every week. You just think about how pretty the sound sounds. But is Damien there every week? He is so faithful. At one time in his life, he went to this uh, school for, to get an engineering degree for, for sound. I remember it was like the second week he came to the church, he was like, hey, I got this talent, I wanna use it. We're like, praise God, we need it, right? 
You get to work. Because there's work. Look, Jesus said, what did Jesus say? Remember what Jesus said. He said, the fields are ready. Like, they're ready to be harvested. But what was the problem? They didn't have enough workers. That was the problem. Anytime God wants to do something, he needs people. He needs people to partner with them. So it says he got to work. And here's the deal. Work is messy and work is hard. Just to be honest. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. There are people changing kids' diapers right now. Your kids' smelly butts. They're changing their diapers right now, right? They're running around with like with like three-year-olds, okay? If you've ever spent any amount of time with three-year-olds, you, you question everything about life after that moment, okay? Right? And, and they do it, right? Okay, it's, it's messy. Listen, can I say this? People are messy. The church is messy. Listen, we have emotional people. We have hard to deal with people. Please don't be those people for us, right? We got hateful people. We have people that just have an opinion about everything we do all the time. We got unforgiving people. We got selfish people. We got people that will hear the word of God and will never change. But we don't give up. We keep our hands to the plow. You know? Like, I'm just gonna be real with you. Like, there are just seasons. I'm just tired. I just get worn out. You know, like, I just came out of a season. I preached three services a weekend. You know, and we're here Monday morning for a staff meeting at 9 a.m. Like, like the weeks are long. But guess what? You don't give up. Keep your hands to the plow. So it says he got to work. He went to work. And what happened again? There was a return. Listen, there was a return on the investment. Verse 18. But servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the money. Okay? Now, here's what's interesting about verse 18 is this. The Lord showed me this. He said, listen, look at verse 18. I know we all focus on how he dug a hole and hid it in the ground. But the Lord said, hey, look at this. I want you to see, I gave something to everybody. There wasn't anybody that didn't get something. Meaning this, every single one of you has a purpose of why you are alive today. There's a purpose. There is a reason. Now listen, once you find your purpose in God, and that purpose could look like a lot of different things, right? Like I, I'm so thankful for Judd and Bonnie. I, I know I honored you a few months ago, but I'm so thankful for them. Part of their purpose is they help us in the heroes room. And I am just so grateful for that. So thankful for that. Now, here's what's interesting about when you find your purpose. When you find the purpose of like, God, like what have you purposed me to do to help your kingdom, your faith engages. Like it becomes like, you're, you're, not, you're not just somebody on the sidelines, just kind of watching. You are now somebody that is invested. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden when new families come to the church and people get saved and people get baptized, you're like, I'm a part of that. That's my church. I'm so excited about what God's doing. Why? Because you're invested. You're working. You're a part of it. I want you to ask God this question this week. What's my purpose? Like, what's my purpose? Like, I'll give you a great purpose. Nick Hatz and Nicholas, you, you are such an encouragement. You just, you just love people. I just You encourage me every week. Your hugs mean the world to me. And you go, that's a purpose? That's a purpose. To encourage people, to love people well, to be an example of what Jesus looks like? Yes, that is a purpose. 
Ask the Lord, what is my purpose? Why? Why why do you have me? God, ask this question. God, why do you have me here at Elevate Church? What is the purpose? What is the reason you have me here? You placed me here. You brought me here. What is the purpose? What is the reason that I'm here? Verse 19, after a long time, the master returned from his trip to gather them and to give an account for how they used what? Use their money, their time, their energy, their effort. You're going to give an account someday. You're going to stand before the Lord. The servant who had earned five bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned you five more. Now, I'm going to read the Lord's response actually out of the trans, uh, Passion Translation. It says this, You have done well, okay? You have proven yourself to be loyal and trustworthy. Listen, that's the goal. Loyal, trustworthy to Jesus to his kingdom, okay? Because you were faithful steward. Did you see what he said? You were a faithful servant, steward, and manage small amounts, okay? God's saying, hey, here, I gave you these small amounts. And I love that he says this to the one that had five. So I gave you a small amount. You were faithful with it. I put you in charge. And I gave you a little Because of that, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about forever. This is an eternal reward that happens in eternity. So he says, hey, in eternity, you're going to receive much, much more. I'm going to put you in charge of things in eternity. You're going to reign and you're going to rule next to me in eternity. He says, this is your reward. And then he says this. You will experience the delight of your master. Again, if you aren't excited about spending time with Jesus now, why would you then? See, that's the reward. Like, the reward is I get to delight in the Lord. And he says this, enter into the joy of the Lord. Everlasting joy, everlasting peace, everlasting love, everlasting grace. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Amen? The joy of the Lord. The servant who had two bags came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags. I invested, and I have two more. What's the Lord's response? You've done well. You've done well. Saying what? You've done well with the talent I gave you. You did well with the finances that I gave you. You did well with the time I gave you. You did well. Good job. You took care of those things. You proved yourself to be trustworthy and loyal. You managed this well. Do you know that the Lord is looking at how you manage things for eternity, but also for this life? The better you manage these things, the more that will be given to you. He says this, you did well. So guess what? You're going to get much, much more. Remember, what you do here determines what you have for eternity. And after this one moment with Jesus in eternity, this will determine what you have for the rest of eternity. There's no way to earn anything more. So what you do here and now really matters. He says, here you go, much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master, and I will say, enter into the joy of the Lord. Then the servant with one bag came to the master and said, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you did not plant and gathering crops where you did not cultivate. I was afraid to lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, master, here's your money back. This is selfishness at the highest levels. I'm just going to be honest. This is selfishness at the highest levels. This servant said, I, I knew you were harsh. I knew you gathered crops where you didn't plant. I was afraid of you. No, no, no. They they weren't afraid of the Lord. 
They didn't have the fear of the Lord. Why, why, why didn't they have the fear of the Lord? Because the fear of the Lord draws you closer to the Lord, not farther away. This is selfishness at the highest levels. And can I, I'm just gonna be really, really brutally honest right now. Many times the church of Jesus Christ is weak. We're weak as a church because people will not give their talent, their money, and, and, and their ability. Did you know that God brought you here because you have a destiny to help us to accomplish all that God called us to do? And if you invest, guess what? Someday in eternity, the Lord will go, here, the Lord will do this. Like Kyle, someday when you stand before the Lord, Kyle, the Lord will go, everything that was done at Elevate Church for my glory is now accounted to Kyle because you invested, you sowed, you managed well, you gave, your family was invested, your lives were invested, and everything will be accounted to them. Because God brought you here to help us accomplish what Jesus has called us to do in the earth, and God has called us to do great things in the earth right now in this season of time. Can I get an amen? But the master replied, this, was, this, is, this is Jesus, you wicked, lazy servant. I don't know about you, but I have no intentions to stand before the Lord someday and he'd go, you wicked, lazy servant. You were selfish, you were prideful, you were egotistical. Everything was about you, everything was self-motivated, everything in your life was 100% about you and you justified it. There is no way that that's what I wanna stand before the Lord about says, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew I harvested crops where I didn't plant. Why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? You at least would have got interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. I love this idea that God's not a capitalist. You better believe he is. You better believe he is. And I know, I know you're like, ooh, this is, this is not the Jesus that I, I like. But this is, this, is, this is forever. This is forever. And this is Jesus' words. He said, give it to the one that did well. To those who use what they have been given, more will be given to them in abundance. But for those who do nothing, what little they have will be taken away. Listen, what is the prize? The prize is this. Number one, I get to see Jesus. And number two, there's rewards in heaven that I can't even imagine. I can't even fathom. I can't gather it. I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around it. But here's what I know. Here's what I know in the depths of my soul. I will not live for a prize here and now that will fade away. I will not live for that. I will not live for things. And here, let me be so clear. I'm not telling you that the Lord doesn't want you to enjoy your life. But the Bible says this, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, put me first. And then, and then he said what? Then everything will be given to you if you'll seek me first. If, listen, this is the law of the first. The reward is Jesus, he's first. Everything is first. So I want you to write this question down, write this question down. I want you this week to ask the Holy Spirit this. Where does my time, my talent, and my money go? Where's my time and my talent and my money go? And the reason I want you to ask this question is this. Number one is this. I, I, I hope and pray that you want to help Elevate Church win the race that we're running. I would hope. I would hope that you're not just here to just be here. I would hope that you're like, I'm here to invest. I'm here to partner. I'm here to believe. I'm here to see God do great, supernatural, crazy things in our city. I'm here to invest my life. 
I want to be a part of what God's doing. And then the second reason I want you to ask this question is because I don't want you to stand before the Lord someday and go, what's my rewards? And the Lord goes, there's nothing here for you. I got nothing for you. All your rewards were in heaven, in the earth. And, and listen, can, and I'm gonna be real honest with this. There's a lot of people that I think that will just slide into heaven. But before the Lord, their whole life will burn and there'll be no rewards. I don't want you to be one of those people. I don't want you to be one of these people. And furthermore, I can't stand before the Lord and tell the Lord, Lord, I didn't tell them that truth. That's my job. That's my job as a shepherd, is to lead you to truth. My job isn't always to say beautiful, peaceful, rainbow, butterfly things that always make you feel good. Sometimes my job as a pastor is to lead you. Did you know that sometimes when a shepherd had a lamb and the lamb was wandering away, do you know what the shepherd rod was for? They would take the shepherd rod and they would smack the leg of that lamb and break the leg. And then the shepherd would take the lamb, put the lamb on his shoulders and lead it to victory. Sometimes the word of God feels like, oh God, like, oh God, why did you hit me? And the Lord's going, no, 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 I didn't hit you. I'm trying to lead you to victory. I'm trying to lead you to blessing. I'm trying to lead you somewhere. You're wandering away. You're wandering off into false truth. You're wandering off into these weird thoughts. You're wandering off into earthly perspectives. And I, I'm not going to allow you to get lost. And I'm going to bring you back home. Amen.